Rebecca. And I'm Nate. And we're going to be talking about health justice for immigrants and refugees. So first off, what is health justice? And it's a very, it's a very broad term, and it includes reproductive justice, environmental justice, food justice, and it requires the end of racism in healthcare. And so in order to achieve health justice, all of those things must be properly addressed and handled, and it's important to listen to the needs of individual communities who are requiring health, health justice, and there needs to be overall access and inequality in all realms of healthcare. So before we start, just to cover a couple key terms that we'll be using, uh, migrants, those being people who choose to leave one country to go to another, and refugees who are forced from their homes to flee violence or destruction. So to begin, Rebecca, um, in the research that you did, what did you identify as major health concerns for immigrants? So the National Health Institute said, quote, when most immigrants enter the United States, their health is generally better than that of U.S. natives. However, for many immigrants, the longer they stay in the U.S., the worse their health becomes, end quote. And this is really interesting because there are still obviously many struggles for immigrants in terms of health. So language barriers, cultural differences, socioeconomic limitations, healthcare access, stress due to adaptation to a new setting and everyday living, and social integration, those are all effects that affect, sorry, like conditions that affect immigrant and refugee health. And I'll talk more about those conditions in more specificity in a moment, but the main health concerns for immigrants is, and they sometimes do vary based on racial and ethnic minority, uh, racial and ethnic backgrounds, but they're, they tend to have, immigrants tend to have low rates of all kinds of cancers, fewer chronic health problems, lower infant mortality rates, lower obesity rates, and lower overweight status, um, statuses as than their native ethnic counterparts which is very in interesting. Um, however, they do have some, com some conditions that are more common, um, especially for specific ethnic groups, such as death from stomach and liver cancers being more common for immigrants um, rather than nat natives. So, like I said, the conditions and environment play a lot into this, and discrimination is a major factor that plays into health injustice for immigrants because it can prevent immigrants from successfully integrating into society and um, being, you know, accessing um, healthcare. So National Health Institute's also said, quote, in terms of healthcare, unauthorized immigrants and recent arrivals are often prevented from accessing public benefits such as Medicaid, and they are less likely than native-born and other immigrants to have a usual source of care, visit a med medical professional in an outpatient setting, use mental health services, or receive dental care, end quote. And those are all things that affect first-generation immigrants. And um, discrimination as a whole can have a physical effect on people's health, not only an effect that keep bars them from having effective um, medical care, access to medical care, because um, the stress of discrimination can cause elevated blood pressure, increased heart rate, and cortisol, which is a stress hormone secretion. So actual discrimination can really physically affect one's health. Um, and perceived um, discrimination is like in studies associated with declines in mental health or physical health for immigrants, so it's been proven to be a major factor. And routine discrimination can increase a person's vulnerability to illness, whether that is because of the mental effects or if it's physical harm that is happening to them, that violence can obviously affect their physical health. Um, undocumented immigrants, like I said before, cannot access Medicaid and other healthcare things, and that's also a major problem because then they're living in this, this new country without proper access to medical care, which is obviously an important right that everyone needs. So discrimination um, is one of the major factors that plays into health injustice for immigrants. 
So at first you discuss, of course, immigrants, how when they first immigrate, um, their lives are pretty okay. And of course it gets worse later on. Um, what might be the, the worst issues that refugees have to deal with? So refugees have slightly different medical problems that they face than immigrants because they are on the move. And being on the move bars them from a lot of different, different necessity needs that they have. Um, one thing that is really an issue for refugees is oral health because, because they're moving, they rarely have access to dental services and also dietary issues arise um, that can also affect oral health because they're on the move and they don't have access to necessarily the food that they need. Um, so unlike immigrants who I said when they are arriving in their country tend to have better health, um, refugees tend to have much poorer health and that is because of their conditions which I'll talk about. They're at higher risk for contracting tropical and infectious diseases such as tuberculosis and um, sexually transmitted infections and mental health, nutritional deficiencies, pain problems, and undiagnosed chronic conditions are also major issues for refugees. So um, there's also the issue of non-communicable diseases, which are diseases that are not um, transmittable. So obviously communicable diseases are a big, uh, a big issue because of the crowded spaces that they're living in and the movement they're making. So diseases that are contagious, obviously a big problem. But diseases that are not, diseases that are chronic conditions, such as diabetes, that is also very challenging because they aren't getting the necessary treatment that you need. They might, like, for example, with diabetes, they're not getting maybe the insulin that they would require. And this leads to very um, negative long-term health effects. Also, vaccination rates, especially of refugee children, are very low, and so that affects health. And then also there are pregnant refugees who can't access prenatal care, and that causes, that leads to, obviously, difficulties with um, health for pregnant women and babies. So there's also the condition, considering the trauma that refugees go through, they're likely to develop psychological problems, and mental health can be a big issue. Um, sorry. So the World Health Organization says, just to sum up, that the most common health conditions seen in refugee camps are hypothermia, burns, and gastrointestinal illnesses, and more specifically pertaining to the Syrian refugee crisis, the main conditions for Syrian refugees are anemia, diabetes, hypertension, and then mental health. So that is, that is the situation for refugees in terms of most common conditions. And um, obviously their, their conditions that they are living in in the environments heavily, heavily affect their health. So while refugees are entitled in the U.S. to Medicaid as a part of resettlement, they often don't receive it because of struggles to access um, language barriers, which is a similar issue that immigrants face. Um, but in terms of when refugees are in camps or seeking asylum, damp and poor sanitary conditions increase the spread of bacteria and viruses, and so respiratory tract infections are very common. Um, there are also often fires used at camps to keep warm and increased uh, or consistent smoke inhalation from those also leads to respiratory complications. And like I said about hygiene, there's often not a lot of availability for like clean water to bathe in or clean bedding, so skin conditions develop. As I mentioned, non-communicable diseases are a big issue and because of the way that refugees are living and moving around and they don't have access to a consistent primary care doctor, most non-communicable diseases that they have go untreated or undiagnosed. And then, like I mentioned, violence occurs a lot for refugees or in camps, especially police violence has increased a lot for refugees in recent years, and that affects both, obviously, the physical and the mental health. Um, police use tear gas, and that causes a lot of harm, respiratory difficulties, and also it's frightening and can, people can develop PTSD. So it's 
the, the fact that they are on the move is the main contributing cause to the difficulties they face in receiving health care because of, of that non-consistency in their location. Um, it also depends on where women, or not sorry, not where women, where refugees are in the country of asylum that they're in or whether they're in a settlement camp um, or in, in a more urban setting. So it seems like, as you've discussed, these issues are quite complex, especially with an updating climate and politics and in the world. Um, there are, of course, still many solutions to these issues that some countries have implemented and some are still working to implement. However, much of what's been done thus far has been informational. Uh, in 2010, for instance, the World Health Organization put together a comprehensive briefing on the health inequities that migrants, refugees, and ethnic groups face and what kind of policies would remedy them. Remedy them. Uh, so the briefing is meant to target, again, those world leaders who have already helped and those looking to help. Uh, it provides an overview into the current policy issues seen among the countries already providing help and, in turn, providing solutions to both groups on the best next steps. So, for instance, the World Health Organization called out Europe and the European Union for its inadequate efforts to provide the Roma people with adequate health care and necessary protections, despite, quote, constituting the largest ethnic minority in the World Health Organization European region, with an estimated population of 10 million. And research has also shown that the Roma people have faced particularly severe conditions as a result of that lower social position. And despite how inadequate the EU's response has been, it's cost 1.4% of their GDP within the EU, which is 0.2% lower than defense spending, according to the European Parliament. And these losses include things like tax payments, welfare payments, and healthcare costs. And some of the overarching policy solutions outlined, very broad solutions, um, are suggestions to combat discrimination in education with effectively enforced legislation, special education policies with special focus to migrants and ethnic minorities, helping them with integration and allowances for extra time and language adoption, social protection policies to prevent a fall into poverty and homelessness, and health policies to provide equitable and appropriate access to health care services with a special focus on prevention of these health issues. And of course, particular policies for migrants that the World Health Organization outlines addresses the immediate need for assimilation aid and aid to get people into these special education and healthcare service programs. In one of the countries that I looked at specifically was Germany as a case study. Uh, some quick background on Germany. Uh, quote, in Germany, more than 20% of the total population of about 82.4 million people have a migrant background, end quote. Uh, in the comprehensive study I researched from the International Journal for Equity and Health, it simply recognized the efforts Germany has made, which happened to be quite in line with many of the WHO policy recommendations, but offered several ways it could continue to improve its response. It looked at three main questions for conducting research. First, quote, um, are there inequalities in healthcare utilization between people with and without migrant background in Germany? Two, are there differences regarding the healthcare sector or indicator of healthcare utilization? And three, are there differences in terms of particular migrant populations and type of migrant background? And some specific quotes sound exactly like the previous briefing. The study concludes that despite how many people believe health inequalities, inequities among immigrants uh, and refugees are only a product of socioeconomic status, quote, differences in need, preferences, information, language, 
informal access barriers like charges, waiting times, travel distances, or lost wages are also factors. Got it. So you talked about the policies that the World Health Organization has outlined and the countries that that has been implemented in, but I imagine that there are barriers to implementing a lot of those policies as there are with most things. Cer- yeah. yeah, certainly. Many barriers um, for the countries to implement these policies. Um, as I touched in as I touched on a bit in the last question, um, besides government action, there are a number of reasons for this. Um, you have language barriers, which sometimes these equitable healthcare policies must include measures to provide these people with language education and aid in that goal when necessary. There are also divergent health beliefs. So among migrants and refugees, their culture, they might disagree with the treatment they receive from health professionals. Yeah. And of course, the obvious cultural barriers where health professionals lack that cultural understanding, um, quote, rules of interaction, values, and norms, end quote, to provide help that would appeal to who they serve. Yeah. Um, and of course, some quick solutions, uh, better training of staff, diversification of the workforce, um, cultural mediators, um, which I guess ties into both of those, um, and the, the ability to adapt these protocols and procedures of treatment to people of different cultural backgrounds. Um, with their unique health issues that might stand in the way of ordinary proper care. So I touched on some of the uh, solutions to health inequities among migrants, mainly among migrants. So I was wondering what you found in your research about the health justices that refugees are receiving. Yeah, so like I said, access to health care depends heavily on the country of asylum in which a refugee is residing and whether the refugee is living in a camp or in a settlement. Um, but there are volunteer medical clinics set up along migration routes, and those medics see the similar range of problems, such as skin and breathing problems and chronic conditions, victims of police brutality, and pregnant women without access to prenatal care. So all of those, all of those needs are being met in this small way um, at these volunteer medical, medical clinics, and those are really important ways in which refugees are receiving health justice, but it isn't as consistent as it needs to be for complete justice. Um, In terms of just the Syrian refugee crisis, there is a program in Syria called the Syrian Immunization Program, um, so from which refugees may have received vaccinations pre-displacement, but many still have not. Luckily, in some camps, there are non-governmental organizations that may have been giving vaccinations, or that have been giving some vaccinations, Um, but they, but not everyone is still vaccinated, and that is still an issue. Um, and who uh, WHO has also established a field presence in Turkey to help deliver health care to the Syrian refugees. So luckily things are being done, especially with the Syrian refugee crisis, which is a, a big problem and where health has become a major concern. Wonderful. Yay. Thank you for listening. Thank you.